No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where God promises to break the strength of Pharaoh and give him over to the king of Babylon. Egypt is compared to Assyria in the way it would be cut down like a tree. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ezekiel chapter 30 on Simply the Bible. Every human being has a constant enemy. Now, you might think it is Satan, and truly Satan is a formidable enemy who hates people who are made in the image of God. But we have another enemy who is even closer, our own pride. When we achieve any degree of success, pride is always ready to step in and take a bow. In fact, it is extremely difficult to achieve success without it going to your head. In chapters 29 through 32, God pronounces judgment against Egypt. She had been successful, but who gave her this success? If we would be used by God and yet it not go to our heads, then we must take heed to the lesson of Egypt, as well as the lessons throughout the Bible of those who were lifted up in pride. We continue in Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 20. And it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the first month, on the seventh day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and see, it has not been bandaged for healing, nor a splint put on to bind it, to make it strong enough to hold a sword." Now, Ezekiel received this prophecy from the Lord in April of 587 B.C. The allusion here is to the previous year when Pharaoh Hophra came out against King Nebuchadnezzar at King Zedekiah's request when the Babylonians laid siege to Jerusalem. But Nebuchadnezzar defeated Hophra, who then retreated back to Egypt. Thus, God broke the arm of Pharaoh, figuratively. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, surely I am against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and will break his arms, both the strong one and the one that was broken. And I will make the sword fall out of his hand. I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. And so this Initial defeat by the Babylonians was only the beginning. God would break his other strong arm so that he could not even hold the sword, but it would fall out of his hand. And then the Egyptians would be scattered among the nations. This is the second time that God said that he would do that. He spoke of this in Ezekiel chapter 29 as well. I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon and put my sword in his hand. But I will break Pharaoh's arms and he will groan before him with the groanings of a mortally wounded man. Thus, I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, but the arms of Pharaoh shall fall down. They shall know that I am the Lord when I put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon and he stretches it out against the land of Egypt. So, While God would break the arms of Pharaoh, he would strengthen the arms of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and God would put his sword in the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar probably had no idea that he was an instrument of the Lord, but it was really God that was doing this. 
and then the Egyptians would know that he is the Lord. The purpose in all of this was that Pharaoh would know that Yahweh is God and there is no other God but him. I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Now we come to chapter 31 and it continues to speak of God's judgment against Egypt. Now it came to pass in the 11th year, in the third month, on the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, say to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude, whom are you like in your greatness? So this prophecy came to Ezekiel two months later in June of 587 B.C. Now truly, Egypt was a great empire. God had blessed her in her day, and she was a world-dominating empire. Remember how in the days of Joseph that the entire Middle East came to Egypt for food during the famine. But the greatness of Egypt had gone to Pharaoh's head. And now when the Lord asks Pharaoh, whom are you like in your greatness? We could easily read into it a tone of irony or sarcasm. So you think you are so great? Who will I compare you to? As we often see in Scripture, Egypt would fall because of her pride. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. William Shakespeare wrote in Henry VIII, Cromwell, I charged thee, fling away ambition. By that sin fell the angels. How can man then, the image of his maker, hope to win by it? And yet it seems that very few men can be raised up over other men and enjoy a degree of success without falling into the sin of pride. Now to whom could Egypt be compared in her greatness? Assyria was another empire that dominated many nations with whom Egypt was very familiar. In 633 BC, Assyria had entered Egypt and destroyed her capital city of Thebes. Verse 3. Indeed, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon with fine branches that shaded the forest and of high stature, and its top was among the thick boughs. The waters made it grow. Underground waters gave it height, with their rivers running around the place where it was planted and sent out rivulets to all the trees of the field. Therefore, its height was exalted above all the trees of the field. Its boughs were multiplied and its branches became long because of the abundance of water as it sent them out. All the birds of the heavens made their nests in its boughs. Under its branches, all the beasts of the field brought forth their young. And in its shadow, all great nations made their home. Thus it was beautiful in greatness and in the length of its branches because its roots reached to abundant waters. So God compares Egypt with Assyria, which was another great empire, like a tall cedar of Lebanon standing above all the other trees. With its capital city of Nineveh on the Tigris River, Assyria was planted where she could receive plenty of water and grow. But the waters were also figurative for the many nations that paid tribute to her. Birds and beasts found shelter beneath her boughs. She was beautiful in greatness, for God had made her so. 
verse 8. The cedars in the garden of God could not hide it. The fir trees were not like its boughs, and the chestnut trees were not like its branches. No tree in the garden of God was like it in beauty. I made it beautiful with a multitude of branches so that all the trees of Eden envied it that were in the garden of God. Now, a rhetorical device is employed here called hyperbole, where God actually refers to Eden, the garden of God, where even the trees of Eden, the garden of God, envied Assyria. And no tree in the garden of Eden could be compared to her in beauty. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have increased in height and it set its top above the thick boughs and its heart was lifted up in its height. Therefore, I will deliver it into the hand of the mighty one of the nations and he shall surely deal with it. I have driven it out for its wickedness and aliens, the most terrible of the nations, have cut it down and left it. Its branches have fallen on the mountains and in all the valleys. Its boughs lie broken by all the rivers of the land and all the peoples of the earth have gone from under its shadow and left it. Now, it seems that God is applying here the allegory of Assyria to Egypt and speaking really of both kingdoms sharing the same fate. What happened to Assyria would also happen to Egypt. Now, God said, I will deliver it into the hand of the mighty one. Nebuchadnezzar's father had conquered the city of Nineveh in 612 BC, and then the rest of the Assyrian army was crushed by Nebuchadnezzar in 609 BC. So God had delivered the Assyrians into the mighty one of the nations, and he would do the same thing with the Egyptians, who would also be conquered by Babylon. God said the peoples of the earth had left its shade, and so no longer would Assyria nor Egypt be able to supply that shelter for the nations. On its ruin will remain all the birds of the heavens, and all the beasts of the field will come to its branches, so that no trees by the waters may ever again exalt themselves for their height, nor set their tops among the thick boughs, that no tree which drinks water may ever be high enough to reach up to them. For they have all been delivered to death, to the depths of the earth, among the children of men who go down to the pit. And so God was really making an example here of Assyria and of Egypt. Both Assyria and Egypt had been by the waters, but neither would ever exalt themselves again. Thus says the Lord God, in the day when it went down to hell, I caused mourning. I covered the deep because of it. I restrained its rivers and the great waters were held back. I caused Lebanon to mourn for it and all the trees of the field wilted because of it. I made the nation shake at the sound of its fall when I cast it down to hell together with those who descend into the pit and all the trees of Eden, the choice and best of Lebanon, all that drink water were comforted in the depths of the earth. They also went down to hell with it, with those slain by the sword and those who were its strong arm dwelt in its shadows among the nations. So as God speaks here of going down to the pit and here down to hell, the Hebrew word for hell is Sheol, and it is also translated grave. And the idea here is that death is the great leveler. 
God says that all the trees of Eden were comforted. And this would refer to the other nations that had come under the protection of both Assyria and Egypt and now see that both Assyria and Egypt shared their same fate. They were all down in Sheol, the grave together. And there is that great leveling. It doesn't matter how high you think you are in this life, how much notoriety or fame or wealth or whatever it is you have, there is death that comes and that levels everybody. Now, to which of the trees in Eden will you then be likened in glory and greatness? Yet you shall be brought down with the trees of Eden to the depths of the earth. You shall lie in the midst of the uncircumcised with those slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and all his multitude, says the Lord God. Now, it's interesting because the Egyptians, like the Hebrews, practiced circumcision, but Pharaoh would join the uncircumcised in death and all of his greatness would be brought down to nothing. He would be no different than anyone else. Listen, if God begins to use you and gives you a degree of success, and I speak this to myself as well, we need to be very careful and realize that every good thing we have, what do we have except that God has given it to us by grace? We need to remain humble and realize that we are nothing but a worm, that we are made of dust, and God chooses to use whom he will as an instrument but may that never go to our heads that we would be raised up in pride that God would have to bring us down to the pit. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, check out our Simply the Bible podcast and please leave us a review. It helps a lot. Tomorrow we will see where Ezekiel takes up a lamentation for Pharaoh and Egypt. The sword of Babylon will come. Pharaoh will join the nations before him who go down to the pit. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Ezekiel on Simply the Bible.